0: Good morning, church family. It's great to see you this Mother's Day. And uh, we're here to celebrate the moms, whether you like it or not, right, moms? Well, we do like it, and we're looking forward to that. And um, we're looking forward to sojourning through this, too. We're going we're gonna to stay in the book of Acts as we, as we talk about our moms today and uh, look into Scripture. Lots of women who show up in Acts chapter 16. A lot of women, in fact, you'd be like, really? Actually, more than you even think, we're gonna unsurface that a little bit. As we continue to sojourn, if you're newer to our church family, if this is your first Sunday, um, whether you're joining us in a watch group room or in person, we have kind of unpacked a sojourner as someone who is missional in their approach because they know they're an ambassador for Christ. Therefore, their testimony does matter. How they talk at work does matter. How they act at school does matter. Why? Because they're being testimonies of Jesus. Have you ever heard the phrase, you may be the only Jesus someone meets? We are called to be lights on this earth. So we want to be missional in our approach. We're transitional though. This is not our home. A sojourner knows they're just passing through. And so the things they can't fix, the things they wish they would cha- could change, they, they care, but they don't become fully enveloped by it because they know they're just a vapor. And one day they'll be truly home. So they remain transitional in their approach, but they're very intentional. They're sojourners here. And so they redeem the time, making the most of it. In fact, we challenge sojourners to walk through life with a mission what's my purpose for being here? A vision, what I wanna see happen during my life, and a strategy. Mission, vision, strategy, missional, transitional, intentional. They've kinda been the language that we've been using for this Sojourner series, and I wanna walk it in today. Now, now you say, Chris, there's been a, somewhat of a business approach to this, and so for those of you who are entrepreneurs or in business, you, you hear this language, you go, I'm familiar with this language. Well, well, I'm going to start today kind of with a, a business illustration again. You know, there's a book out there by Jim Collins called Good to Great. And in this book, there's this massive look into all these organizations or companies. Some remained good. Some fell apart. But some became great. They just took this jump. They were a really good company. There was a really good startup. It was a really good nonprofit. It was a really good organization. And then, boom, it became huge. And they did this big comparison in this book. It's actually extremely intriguing. But but one of the things noticed was an illustration taken from a writing that wasn't even really meant to be. Oh, I don't know, um, leveraged that strongly by a man named Isaiah Berlin. He, he compared a fox and a hedgehog. You say, where am I going with this? You're gonna really have to stay tuned the whole time. But ladies, I'm calling you to be hedgehogs. Yeah, it's not a good opener, is it? I mean, sweetheart sounds so much better, right? Hey, sweetheart. Hey, hedgehog, let's go. Not good, right? What is this? See, see this is what the whole, the whole summary of this thing was. The fox knows many things. Ooh, he's clever. He knows many things, operates with a little bravado. He's tricky. He's in this, he's in this, he's in this. But the hedgehog really knows one thing. When trouble comes, throw up your spines, cuddle up, and go into a ball. They go away, and they come back out. And, and here's the business principle. hedgehog. Companies, organizations, startups, entrepreneurs, hedgehogs, they know what they're good at and they stick with it, go from good to great. Why? Well, the whole model is built around a trifold question. The hedgehog asks three specific questions of its organization, company, or startup. What are you deeply passionate about? I mean, you really believe in it. Sometimes you hear investors say, I'm sorry, I don't invest in anything I don't believe in. Well, an organization says, what are we really deeply passionate about? They ask that question. Second, they say, what do you believe you can be the best at? Now, now before you jump into a performance prison, you have to know that what you're gonna be the best at is not a goal to be the best. Organizations who go, have a goal to be the best often become foxes. They try to be all things. It's not an intent to be the best. Ooh, I'm gonna be the best. It's not even a plan to be the best. It's an understanding. Have you ever heard the phrase know thyself? It's an understanding of what you, can be the best at. And with that third question is what drives your resource engine? Now, for a business that's obviously talking about revenue, but for a personal life that's talking about what fills you up, what fills you up and keeps you going. Why is this important? Why is it, why am I even bringing this up? Because Extreme clarity is imperative when you're being asked to do a ton of things, and when you're comparing yourself to a ton of people. Guess what moms often struggle with? They're doing a ton of things, and they're comparing themselves to a ton of women. It's just kind of natural. And they battle it and they fight it. So sometimes for them, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram is an is a operation of futility and defeat. For they look at that and go, I'm not that mom. I'm not her. I can't do that. And so mom, don't worry about that. You just post today, I'm a hedgehog now. You guys go ahead and be foxes. I'm gonna do my one thing, I'm gonna do it well. You say, come on, come on, is this real? Okay, here's, here's three comparison companies in the book. One's Amazon, they've done pretty well. Right, right, okay. Um, they said, they set out, we will be the online shopping store. We will be, that will be our thing, okay? Walgreens, we will be the corner pharmacy. Gillette, we will be the Coke of blades and toothbrushes. We're gonna become the best at building premier brands of daily necessities requiring sophisticated, low-cost, high-durability technology. They, they know what they're gonna be good at. Gillette doesn't go, should we also do hamburgers? <laughs> you see? And, 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 you, and, and we laugh, and, and, and all those things, but foxes and hedgehogs, there's a principle here, and here's the principle, here's the principle. The hedgehog takes a complex world and simplifies it. Hear that, ladies? The hedgehog takes a complex world and simplifies it. The fox, oh, he knows many things. The hedgehog knows one thing, and it goes to its strength. You say, that's great, Chris, but I didn't come to a TED Talk. I came to church. I got good news for you. You know, we know who wrote Acts, Luke wrote Acts. He wrote another book in scripture. Do you know the name of the book? Luke, there you go, all right. Everybody's like, oh man, like Philippians. Okay, he wrote Luke, okay, the Gospel of Luke. Wow, that's kinda scared me, actually. No, 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 that was a trick, that was evil, that was, that was evil. He wrote Luke and he tells us about a time where Jesus drove this principle in. Business world didn't arrive on something. Jesus had been driving this home for a while. It happened as they went, and they entered a certain village. That's Jesus and his companions. He didn't travel by himself. He had a group of guys, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. Some of you you ladies are like, oh, Martha, have I gone to a lady's Bible study without hearing about Martha? Just stay with me. (laughs) Stay with me, cynics, okay? And she had a sister named Mary. We know what she was doing. She was sitting at Jesus' feet and heard his word. We got sibling rivalry already, let alone one working and one sitting. But Martha, Luke has given us some extreme insight with this word, was distracted with much serving. Distracted? What's wrong with serving? I mean, hello, Martha said, Jesus, come on in. I wanna serve you. I want more Marthas in our church, I know that. I wanna serve Jesus, I wanna, I wanna be there for Jesus. But, but, but Luke says she's distracted? Distracted from what? And she comes up to Jesus. Now you know something about Martha if you come up to Jesus and you kinda give it to him. You know one of the, are you married to one of them ladies? Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. She's right there with Peter. We talked about Peter guys who go and confront Jesus. Martha's like, "Uh, Jesus, look at this laziness, right? Tell her to get up, do something. Man, I hope I don't start a fight this afternoon at Mother's Day lunches with sisters. (laughs) Hey, Mary, let's go. Dishes. Jesus ain't here. And Jesus answered her. He, he kind of goes, Martha, 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 Martha. Martha, Martha, Martha. Why did Jesus have to say it multiple times? You all know the type of lady this is. Hey, what, what? You're worried and troubled about what? Many things, many things. You got many things going on. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen the good part. It's not gonna be taken from her. What's that one thing? What's that one thing? Jesus says, me, me. I can take all your worry, all your frustration, all your distractions, all your discouragements, all your positioning and petitioning for me to do something, I can take all of it away. Mary has chosen to do that and I'm not gonna take that away from her. Why is this so important? Because moms especially have had it really rough this year. They've usually had it rough but it doubled down this year on moms. And moms are these like awesome visionaries. They kind of foresee the effects of what is currently happening better than us guys at times. Definitely better than kids. If this continues, this is what I'm gonna have to deal with. So moms not only bear the weight of today, they go and try to bear the weight of tomorrow. And guess what they also do? especially moms with grown-up children, they wear the weight of the past going, why didn't I, why I should have, I didn't. So they're carrying weight, not just today, but they're carrying weight of the future, and they're carrying weight of past mistakes. And Jesus, I really believe, wants to whisper into all your ears today and go, hey, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You got a lot of things going on, but I'm gonna simplify it. Only one thing is needed. And so, in a time period where there's a lot of ashes, we even sang it today. I believe Jesus is in the business of bringing beauty from those ashes. Have you ever heard that phrase, beauty from ashes? You know where it's found? It's found in Isaiah, it's found in Isaiah 61. Now, Isaiah the prophet says, The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. Any brokenhearted moms in here? You cannot believe the choices of your adult daughter, your adult son. It's been weighing on you for years. To proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison. To those who are bound. Anybody know anybody bound? Any moms out here wearing the weight of a son who has fallen into substance abuse and has been chained and become captive to the point where where is that little boy you raised? He's not even there. (laughs) to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant to those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. Now my scholars in here go, Chris, how are you taking that and applying it to moms? But the reality is we see this. There is a redemptive aspect to those verses there's redemptive why because we know isaiah is a prophet and he is often referring to messianic promises which is a reference to what jesus can do in anyone's life he can bring redemptive power he can take ashes which were put on them when they were mourning and they were sad there's probably a lot of moms in here they're not really ready to smile yet And he can put on a beautiful headdress and take from those ashes beauty. But moms, you're gonna need to be visionaries with me. Husbands, dads, teens, we can all gear in as we go into Acts 16. We can all engage, because the scripture's for all of us, even if we're, we're really pinpointing moms today. If there's ashes in your life, your business fell apart, guys, your friend walked away from you that you dearly loved, you feel all alone you're discouraged, you're you're weighed down by heavy debt. Did you know you got a Jesus who can take from those ashes, turn them into beauty? But it's gonna take some vision work. You say, Chris, I'm not a visionary, you don't understand. But I think all of us in some ways can understand the power of having a vision to do something. Does anybody know what this is behind me? You say Nothing? Look at it. You know what that is? That's 1923 Mount Rushmore. But, but you see, the difference is that Goodson Borglum saw something on that rock, and now it's become a place where people visit all the time. In fact, you know what it looks like now. I mean, just the story behind how that was done is just unbelievable. But it took vision. Somebody had to see something that nobody else saw. Moms, I want you to see Jesus. Young people, I want you to see Jesus in the story as we sojourn through Acts 16. I want you to see him taking ashes and turning them to beauty. Because, moms, I think no matter what you've gone through, one thing is important. See Jesus in every circumstance. And you'll remind and you'll be reminded that He's the one thing, He's the one thing that can't be taken away from you. Heavenly Father, use today's sermon to guide all of us towards the truth. Use today's sermon to simplify our lives. Use today's sermon, use today's text to help us go out of our way, being visionaries for you, seeing Jesus, even in maybe our current ashes. And let it encourage us and remind us that even if we're in ashes, we're sojourners, we're just passing through. Use this, Lord, in your name, amen. Paul is about to set out on his second missionary journey. Remember, he's down at the Jerusalem Council last week. There was a debate that broke out. Should we circumcise the Gentiles or not? They wrote a letter and said, we're not gonna do it. The men praised and rejoiced. And you would think coming out of that, we're gonna see some neat stuff. And and Paul's fired up too. And a couple years have passed. They have been working. They've been doing some stuff down in Jerusalem. And and after some time, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, oh, that's our team. Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Really, Paul? You know you were stoned to the point where people are like, yeah, yeah, he's dead. You wanna go back? Yeah, come on, Barnabas, let's go back. He's like, we could go down to Salamis, we could go to Paphimus, we could go up to Perga, in the Antioch, Pisidia, Iconium, Lystra, Uh, I was stoned there, over to Derby, we can go back. And then remember, they went there and then they came back through and sailed back and and, and were there. Paul says, let's go back, Barnabas. And and Barnabas is like, I'm in, I'm in, but he has a request, look. He says, "Now, now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, But Paul thought best to not take with them, I like this, one who had withdrawn from them and Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Remember Pamphylia? (laughs) Paul says, whoa, 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 Barnabas, you wanna take John Mark? You wanna take the, the, the guy who bailed on us? You want to take the guy when the going got rough? He kind of left. And Barnabas is like, yeah, I believe in him. Let's give him a second chance. Let's take him. And Paul's like, no, no, no. This work is too important. I can't be taking people who go, I'm out. It got too difficult. You can just kind of see the whole thing going on. And Barnabas is going, hey, man, people grow. You know it's going back and forth. And there arose. You say, are you sure it went back and forth, Chris? Actually, I think it got worse because there arose a sharp disagreement so that they... Oh, man, separated from each other. Teenager, you ever have a friend in ninth grade, you do not have in 10th grade, but you still pass them in school? It's not fun, is it? It's not fun. Tell you what's worse, dating someone and have to sit in the same class with them still and their friends, right? Fun, fun, awesome, awesome stuff. How about at work, right? You had somebody you were really close with, you trusted and they betrayed you and now you're separated from each other. Oh man, Paul and Barnabas are separated and there is pain with that. I've been through that. There is pain with that and even though you kind of suck it up and move forward, it hurts and it stays with you. Barnabas took Mark with him and he sailed away to Cyprus Barnabas and John Mark, they sail away to Cyprus where John Mark was in. but Paul chose Silas. We're gonna learn about Silas even more. And they departed, having been commended by the brothers of the grace of the Lord, and went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. I'm sure it was great I'm sure it was awesome to share the word of God. But I'm also sure, having gone through sometimes like things like this, that there was part of Paul going, man, Silas, that was awesome, that was awesome. I wish Barnabas was here. And I'm sure there were times Barnabas was like, yeah, John Mark, did you see what God did? I really wanna tell Mark. And see, they couldn't text each other. I want to tell Paul. Paul and I would have done this. Man, Barnabas and I would have done this. If you've lived long enough, you would know that emotion. This is good. This was great. You know what? This was really good. But man, it used to be like this. Moms are so in tune with that. It's unbelievable. And the verse continues as we jump into Acts 16 now. And, and we meet a young man, ever hear of this guy? Timothy, yeah, yeah. Paul, he came also to Derby and Lystra, okay? And a disciple was there named Timothy. He was from this area. The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was so well spoken of by all the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. See, Timothy, th- this guy, he was something. He was something special. But what's interesting is he's got a mom, okay, who's a Jewish woman who is a believer, but his dad's an unbeliever. His dad's a Greek, he's an unbeliever. So there's a mom here who knows Jesus as her personal savior. She's kind of come as a believer now, she's come along, and, and, and she has an unbelieving husband. I could tell you that's a tough, tough situation. I've ministered to it. I've tried to love people through that, but that's a tough situation. It's hard enough getting a Christian guy to come with you to church, let alone an unbeliever. I mean, us guys, we, we got some serious pride issues and stuff. We're, 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 we're kind of inherently selfish a lot of times. And I'll tell you what, if it weren't for my wife pushing me into a lot of things, I probably wouldn't do them. Come on, you need to be there. You need to do that. Uh, man, it's the fourth inning. No, come on, come. We need that. You know what Timothy had? He had a mom who dug in. In fact, when, when Timothy was going through struggle in Second Timothy, Paul says to him, I am reminded of your sincere faith, Timothy, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois. Oh, grandma's been, Timothy, we're going to invest into you. (laughs) And your mom, Eunice. And now I am sure it dwells in you as well. Their faith, his mom and grandma's faith are so powerful in this young man's life. Let this speak to somebody who feels trapped in this situation. His grandma and this mom's faith is so strong in this young man's life that Paul leverages it in the Bible to say, man, your grandma and your mother invested into you, buddy. Come on, keep it up. And then later he says, as for you, he's going through fear, he's going through battle, he's going through tough times. And if his dad hasn't invested into him spiritually, he's called to be this pastor in this really rough time and he's struggling with anxiousness. He doesn't really have a role model of a male that has been faithful and, and he doesn't really have that. And Paul's kind of come in and provided that. He says, hey man, you haven't been given a spirit of fear and timidity, hold on to the truth. And he says, as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly knowing from whom you learned it and from how childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which make you wise. Your mom taught you scripture, man. Remember that. Young moms, whatever situation you're in, teach them scripture. Teach them as much truth as you can. Look what it produced, Timothy. And so Paul says, I wanna take Timothy. And so he took him and circumcised him. What? Well, there's a because there, so let's figure it out. Because of the Jews who were in those places, Pharrell knew his father was a Greek. See, everybody knows Timothy, everybody knows Eunice. Everybody knows Eunice is a believing Jew, and everybody knows his dad is a Greek. And so they're not sure this Timothy has been circumcised and if he's gonna reach these people, circumcision is of heavy detail to them but we know in the letter it says you don't have to be circumcised. So Paul, what are you doing? I mean, where's your theology and doctrine or, or what you believe in? Is, is, he, is he giving in or is he caving in? oh, I don't believe he's caving into legalism. I think Paul's giving in to a higher priority, love. Love. You know, the fruit of the Spirit doesn't go, the fruit of the Spirit is law, peace, patience, kindness. It says the fruit of the Spirit's love. It puts it as preeminent. And Paul says, for the sake of love of these Jews who don't fully understand what we're trying to do, Timothy gear up, you're not gonna have an opportunity with this audience if you don't. And Timothy, in great humility, follows this. And because they all knew him, he wasn't able to go hide. This was an incredible impact on those Jews, especially, I'm sure, as they grew in their faith and realized he didn't need to. And as they went through their cities, as they're going through the cities, they deliver them and observe the decisions that have been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. Poor Timothy's got to share the contents of the letter. So the churches were strengthened in their faith and they increased in numbers daily. And, and here's my first beauty at ashes. Did you see it? Throughout that opening section, put this up: the first ashes is lost. Has anybody experienced that? Jesus brought beauty from loss. You say what? The ashes of losing Barnabas became the beauty of gaining Timothy. The ashes of them separating became the beauty of two powerful, powerful missionary teams. You can see Jesus Redemptive work, even in ashes. Even if they handled that conversation wrongly, Jesus used it for the good. Even if they didn't fully get that, Timothy probably didn't need to do that. He used it for the good. Moms, you gotta see Jesus even in these times of loss. How many times, those of you who have lived long enough, you've experienced loss in your life, and it was followed by a gracious gift, something you didn't see coming. I know for me in ministry, I I, I lost something, but I've also really gained something that's precious to me. Beauty came from ashes. And moms get this, because moms go through loss. It starts when they go off to kindergarten, and they go in crying the whole time. My youngest did it for like a four-month period. The school actually asked, are your mommy and daddy doing okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, that, 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 that's great when you're a pastor. <laughs> just crying, crying, and crying. And one day I came home and my wife was over by the dishes and I, and I came home early uh, for something. I had a breakfast, I came home. I'm not home typically when she would drop him off to school and I came by and I, I just noticed, you, you know guys, we can tell when our wife's crying. I said, are you crying on? She turns around and she goes, he cries every day. And so mom cries every day. We got to move on in case Chris gets emotional. Moms feel loss from decisions their children make, then they become grandmas and the decisions their grandchildren make. Even death. Can we find the beauty in the ashes? The next four verses talk about something that happened in Macedonia. Paul's working his way through, and then something happened, it's called the Macedonian call. It, it, it's found in Acts 16. It says they were, they were heading out, I wanna find it. Um, they, they, were, they were heading out, and as they were going, the Spirit stopped them. They were going through the region of Phrygia, And Galatia, having been forbidden by the Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And and, and they went through the the region, and when they had come up to Mysia, they got into here, they planned to go up in Asia, but the Spirit stopped them. And when they had attempted to go into Bithynia, into these areas, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. Spirit of Jesus, Holy Spirit, we see see the Holy Spirit, we see Jesus, and, and passing through Mysia. And they went down to Troas, they kinda of went to Troas, and look, now they're, now they're up against, they're, they're moving along, they wanted to go north, they wanted to go this way, but the Spirit stopped them. They tried another avenue, and, and, and the Spirit of Jesus stopped them, which is most likely still a reference, obviously, to the Holy Spirit, or that Jesus is involved in this as well. So they went down to Troas. Like, where are we going? What's God doing here? They're kinda, of, their backs are against the ocean. Every door they try is closing. But always remember this. You understand a closed door is still direction, right? You do understand that. That's still direction. See, God even tells us in Revelation, God can open doors that men cannot and he can close doors that men can't open. A closed door is still direction. And in the night, a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So so Paul sees this vision. This is how one of the ways that the Spirit definitely was working through the apostles. This is the way Paul received this. And, and so they head to Macedonia. So setting sail from Troas, we made direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there Philippi, which is the leading district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. And we remained there in this city some days. So, so they go from like going all around, getting all these closed doors up to Troas. God gives them a vision of this man from Macedonia saying, "Come on over." And when that happens, and they get aligned with God, they make a direct voyage across and end up in Philippi. I think we're familiar with that city. You See the beauty from the ashes there? You know, sometimes we're going through life and life is a struggle. Lack of direction, closed doors, you feel stuck. Maybe you're hurt or wounded, mom, and, and, and things are beating you up. Maybe it's it's one of your children's struggle. You know, they say a mom is only as happy as her least happiest child. Like if one of those kids, something's off, something's not going well for them, it's hurting them. Mom kind of lives in their emotion level. Struggle. But mom... Jesus can work in even those ashes because as they waited on the Lord, he gave them clear direction, even amongst all these closed doors. And when they followed the call of God, it gave them a direct passage. Go back a second to that verse. I want you to note something. This direct voyage in its original language carries the idea of a nautical term, which means the winds behind your back. There's been some scholarly work done on this. When they traveled back this way, it took them five days. It took them just like two days to get across there. So they had the wind at their sails. When you align with what God wants, even if he's been closing doors for some times, you'll find when that door opens, it's like the wind behind your sails. I wanna encourage you to wait on the Lord and let him renew your strength, because when he does, it's like the wind beneath your sails, and when you're fighting and you're trying to bang open your own doors, it's like driving through traffic in Baltimore, Washington at four o'clock. That's what it's like. And you know, you're fighting, You get off the sheets hoping it's over. It's not over. But when you get on the Lord's highway, it's smooth. It's unbelievable. Now, why is all this happening? We see Jesus. He's working through the ashes. And this is the end of the text. There's a reason for all this. It seems like Luke is so determined to show you how God is working through this, but it takes a visionary to really look at it. It seems like there's a movement towards a woman. Acts 16, 13 through 15. There's this seller of purple who's up here in Philippi. She's from Asia Minor where they weren't allowed to go. She's from there and she's visiting Philippi. And she's gonna randomly intersect with the apostle Paul. Paul. So so he heads here, he goes to the port cities and he goes up into Philippi and, and scripture continues. And on the Sabbath day, we went out to the gate of the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Has anybody noticed anything that's happened in our text? Do you hear we? Amidst the struggle of all these closed doors, some believe that Paul got a sickness. In fact, he talks about a sickness that was so bad he lost part of his eyesight. And they say that part of that infirmity might be the reason where he could and I can't move forward, he was so sick. And one of the reasons that's thought is because this is the part of the text where Luke goes from they, Paul, Barnabas, to we. So Dr. Luke is now traveling with Paul. And many believe that part of the struggle was to bring Luke in who was from or had Macedonia roots to move into that area. So now you're gonna see in Acts, Luke's going, we went outside the gate of the riverside where we were supposed there was a place of prayer. Now a place of prayer would be a synagogue, that's where they'd go first. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had gathered there. Well, where are the guys? You know there's not 10 men that are in Philippi that are Jewish believers then. You say, why? How do you know that? Within the law, if there were more than 10 Jewish men in a city, they had to start a synagogue. There's a place of prayer, but there's no men there. It's the women who show up. It's the women who show up. Paul has Pharisee upbringings. Pharisees don't preach to women. They would say things like, thank you, God, I'm not a tax collector, a slave, or a woman. What's Paul gonna do? Let's see how changed he is. And he he just starts speaking to the women. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira. That's up in Asia Minor. A, A seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what Paul said. And after she was baptized, her and her household as well, she urged us, saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. Oh, and she prevailed upon us. Through all the chaos of Paul's journey, he was taking ashes Jesus was taking ashes and turning them to beauty. Through all this chaos of all this traveling, Jesus was directing them, God was directing him to Lydia who would be used mightily to carry out the word of God. Ladies, have you ever thought, how can I be a Mary in a Martha world? There's a book written called that. Being a, having, a, having Mary's heart in a Martha's world, one who sits and worships Jesus, but the reality is there's demands on everyone. And ladies, have you ever looked in scripture and thought, look at the pious women, or have you come to a Mother's Day and, and we read the listing of Proverbs 31 or, or the, and we say, go get them, you know, and you're like, yeah, right, thanks, Right? You ever thought, is there, is there a woman in scripture that's kind of got a Martha attitude and a merry heart? <laughs> Lydia. Uh, l- let me point it out. We sat down and spoke to the woman who had, women who had gathered there. She was a faithful worshiper. She's not from there. She's from out of town. Why? Because she's an industrious worker. Lydia is a businesswoman. She's traveling. Lydia was a seller of purple goods that has a regality to it. In other words, um, young girls, you'll like this. Lydia was like a designer. And she designed and sold purple goods, which only the wealth and the kingdom type people could afford. So she worked with amongst influence. This Lydia, can we just say it, was a business baller, okay? She's on a trip, but she makes sure she's worshiping God because she wants to know this God, but she's an industrious worker. But, but she's an active listener, and that's the Lord's doing. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. I know some ladies in our church, I'll be preaching, and I see them. They're right, now. oh, we're gonna do that. We are doing that as a family, we need more of you, Lydia's, we need more of you. The guys are even sitting there watching you right going, oh, we're doing that, we are, we're totally doing that, right? You know these ladies? There's one of you in scripture, doesn't it feel good to know that you got a spiritual? Leader? She is a spiritual pioneer for her family. She goes and gets baptized and she says, kids, you're coming. She tells her how her whole household gets saved. She's a spiritual pioneer, she, she doesn't wait. She leads by guiding, and they come alongside her. She's modeling this for them, but she's also an insistent woman, but she's an insistent servant. She says, come to my house and stay. Now, now many scholars believe Lydia's house was huge, so Paul's like, I mean, I'm okay with it. Do you wanna, like, I'll take the pool room, okay? Like, Like, Lydia's house was big, and she wanted these guys to come and stay, and look, it said, and she prevailed upon us. She's not gonna stop. Any young guys, you get married to a girl and the mom's trying to bulk you up. Come on, eat some more. And she just prevails upon you, right? You go home sick, I can't say no to her. Lydia's that kind of personality. Do you know a woman like that? They're just kind of, they're not gonna probably lose. So, you know, for the sake of love, right? <laughs> we'll give in <laughs> instead of cave in. A faithful worshiper, ladies An industrious worker. You know all moms have multiple jobs? All of them. You don't think each child is a specific job for them? Guys take one day off of work and try it. It's unbelievable. I get home from work, I wanna take a break. My wife comes home from work and listens to, hey mom, what's dinner? We're doing this, Ah, okay. Can we go out to eat? No. What time is she home? She's coming home now. Oh, oh, I already ate, mom. But here's the food, but I ate, it's fine. Oh, we're going out. Moms just go through this all the time. When they're little, little, mom, 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 mom. mom. <laughs> Thank you, Lydia, for being this for us and for the ladies. But I learned something about Lydia. She started with worship. She was a hedgehog. She was a hedgehog. The fox knows many things, the hedgehog knows one thing. Jesus, he walked up to the Marthas of the world, he walked up to the Lydia's, he said, I know you got a lot of stuff going on because you're driven, I've gifted you. You have influence, your family listens to you, your family respects you, all those things. But in this world, one of the devil's tricks on you, ladies, is going to be distraction. In great humility, I approach this. So guys, I wouldn't try this unless you've earned the right. But I'll say, hey, hon, what? Have you been reading your word? That's been like a key word for us. Don't try that in a heated argument, okay? She'll throw the Bible at you. you deserve it. i say, hon, you've been in the word. You've been in the word. You probably need the word. We need the word. I I, I, got to be in the word because I know where I'm at if I'm not in the word. Hedgehogs get that. Moms, your life is way too hard to not be near Jesus a lot. Jesus walked up to Martha. He said, Martha, Martha, put your name in there. Just put your name in there. You're worried and troubled about many things. There's a lot of ashes around you. Yes, Jesus, I can see from what happened in the past and what's happening now and what could happen in the future. I know there's many things going on here you want to fix, Mom. I know there's many things going on here you think is your fault. Yes, I think they are. There's many things that you want to stomp your feet and say, go talk to them. But one thing's needed. And Mary's chosen that. And you know what moms, no matter what ashes you got in your life, no matter what ashes are from your past or right now, or possibly foreseeing the future, there's one thing that can't be taken away from you through all those times. And that's the thing that will bring beauty amongst any ashes. And that's your relationship with Jesus. Whether your husband's not supporting you, Jesus is right there with you. Whether your dad's being too hard on you, young lady, Jesus is right there with you. Whether that professor's a jerk college girl, Jesus is right there with you. Whether it's your brother that you've been journaling and praying for, but he's walked away from the Lord, Jesus is right with you. Worship him, stay on him, and you'll get through the awesome heart of love you have for everyone. But mom, you weren't called to change them you're called to model it did you know it was God that opened up Lydia's heart that takes a lot of pressure off this guy when I hear people say hey I'm bringing my friend could you do a good one all right I'll get him saved for you I can't do that but what we can do is point him to the truth And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Ladies, is there anyone in here who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus? Would you like a relationship that you'll never lose? Would you like a relationship that'll come by you during suffering? Would you like a relationship that will bring clarity amongst chaos? Jesus says, all who call upon me will be saved. Oh, I pray you make that decision. So I'm gonna leave everybody with a little homework. I found three one things in scripture. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know them all, all right? I found three times, okay? Psalm 27:4. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek, and after that I will dwell in the house of the Lord all my days and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. One thing I asked, one thing I have asked. Here's the second one. One thing I do know. So for the second time they called the man who had been blind and said to him, "Give glory to God. We know that this man's a sinner." And he answered, "Hey, whether he is a sinner or not I do not know, but one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see." How do you know that Bible's true? How do you know, mom, that Jesus can change a life? Look, look, look. I don't know everything. But one thing I know, I once was blind. But now I see. Explain the change if you wanna try to change than me. So one thing I do know, and then here's the third. One thing I do, and that's from Paul, written to a church that was founded in Philippi. Sound familiar? Forgetting what lies behind, I strain towards what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal, the prize of the upward call in Christ, whether it's struggle, whether there's chaos or whether there's loss, I just keep moving. Moms, just keep moving. The hedgehog knows one thing because it asks three good questions. So here's what you have to ask mom at lunch today. Go ahead, put this last slide up. This has to be asked. Mom, is there one thing you've been asking for this family? And if she pulls out an entire journal, just keep eating and let her talk. Oh, I've been asking a lot of things of the Lord. Okay, we're just gonna eat. (laughs) One thing I've asked. Just one thing, Mom. Okay, one thing you've been asking. I want moms to be asked that question today wherever she's eating food. Mom, what's one thing you know? Look, I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot, but I know this. Ask her, Mom, what's one thing you know? And Mom, what's one thing you do? What's one thing you do? Look, my dad invested a ton into me. He invested a ton into me. But I was raised by a Lydia. My mom worked 11 to seven at Grandview Hospital. She got home at seven and made Christopher breakfast. Went to bed, got up the second I got home from school and drove me all over the place. My mom was a hard worker, still is. She was driven tough, but there's one thing she did that her son saw that Bible was open on our kitchen table every day. I walked by my mom's open Bible every day. Heavenly father, would you inspire the moms out here to take this really complicated life and simplify it? They can't be that mom or that mom or that mom and praise God for all these mom's gifts. But I bet you've called them to have something of their own. Maybe it's a heart of mercy, a heart of faithfulness, a heart of joy. I pray that the people in their life tell them today what that thing is they see in them. Encourage that mom because she's trying to do as much as she can And the devil wants to knock on mom's heart and says, you failed, you messed up. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't love you based on your performance, mom. I loved you before you were even on this earth, Psalm tells me. Therefore, nothing you could ever do could make me love you less. Those kids are my kids. I died for them. I love them, mom. Give them to me. The battle belongs to me, mom, not you. It's my fight. Give it to me. And you'll see beauty come from those ashes. Lord, would you encourage the moms out there? May they see you. May you open their eyes to what you're doing, even in the difficult times. One thing I ask One thing I know, one thing I do, only one thing's necessary. She's chosen the good part and I'll never take it away. Amen.